and welcome back to the online ministry of Grace Baptist Church. We've almost made it through 2020 and given the year we've had, that's something to be thankful for. If you're new to our ministry, we're glad you're listening. Say hi in the comments below to let us know you were here. Now as we start, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of a man named Philip Melanchthon. The year is 1530 and he's just 33 years old and has been asked to go as a representative to one of the most important theological councils of his day. He almost certainly wanted Martin Luther to go in his place, or at least stand by his side. But Luther had been declared a heretic and an outlaw because of things he said at a similar theological council less than a decade earlier. Melanchthon was understandably worried. Worried about what they might ask. Worried about what he'll say. Worried about what they'll do. And worried about what will come of it all. In the midst of those worries, he gets a letter from Luther, and he's probably hoping to hear his comforting words of reassurance. This is what he gets instead. I am heartily opposed to your great anxiety, which, as you write, is weakening you. <laughs> that it is conquering you completely is due not to the importance of the affair, but the extent of your unbelief. Why do you fret so always and without ceasing? Fight against yourself, for you are your own worst enemy because you give Satan so many weapons against yourself. Truly, I pray diligently for you, and it pains me that you suck anxiety into yourself like a blood leech and make my prayer so powerless. <laughs> now, those are tough words, right? What do you make of that? Is he going too far in calling anxiety unbelief? Is a worrying Christian really? their own worst enemy? Is anxiety like a leech that sucks power out of our prayers? Well, Luther didn't stop there. <laughs> He's also said to have given his young friend this blunt rebuke, let Philip cease to rule the world. He saw Philip's worrying as something of a God complex. He saw his stress as an indication he was trying to play God and act like he was in control of the universe. Have you ever thought of anxiety like that? Was Luther out of line? How does the Bible see these things? We're in the middle of a pandemic and a province-wide lockdown. People are worried about their health, worried about their families, worried about their jobs. How do we deal with all that worry? What do we do with the anxiety? And if it is like a leech in our lives, is there anything we can do about it? Those are the questions that I wanna try and answer as we look at this morning's passage of scripture. The passage is well known and it's found in Matthew's gospel, chapter six, verses 25 to 34. If you don't have a Bible, pause the video and go grab one or just bring one up in another tab. Matthew six, starting at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed, arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This is the word of God. Now, telling someone not to worry is a little bit like telling them not to get high blood pressure. It's not like anyone wants to worry. Nobody wakes up and decides they're going to try and get as stressed as possible. Get an ulcer, hashtag life goals. I've never seen that post of you. One person compared anxiety to living with a baseline from Jaws always playing in the back of your head. Nobody wants that. But Jesus seems pretty clear that worry is a choice. So, for instance, in verse 25, he says, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. And he repeats the same thing in verse 31. How can he command people not to worry? At first, I think, maybe he's just talking to people who don't have anything to worry about. If Jesus knew what I'm facing, he'd be like, no, you should be worrying. But I don't think that's true. Jesus was speaking to people for whom basic necessities were never taken for granted. He was speaking to people whom he encouraged to pray for enough bread to make it through the day. He was speaking to his disciples who had left their jobs to follow him. He spoke to people who lived in the midst of famine, floods, and slavery. And they didn't have social assistance or EI or the CERB. There was plenty for them to be anxious about. But Jesus commanded them not to be, and he made it clear that worrying is a choice. He then shows us three ways. They're kind of like three mini choices that add up to the choice not to worry. Let's look at them in turn. The first one is this. If you're not going to be anxious, you need to choose to trust God with your needs. When we worry, what we're saying is, I don't trust God. Maybe I think he's incapable or he's unwilling, but either way, I've decided it's up to me, not up to him. If I'm going to avoid anxiety, I need to choose to trust God to meet my needs. That's why Jesus points to creation. When Jesus gave this passage, he was seated on a hillside. Crowds are before him. And so he points them to the birds in the sky. In verse 26, he, he, he points to them and he shows that birds don't know anything about agriculture or real estate. He says that they don't sow or reap or gather in barns, and yet the Father feeds them. God is a faithful provider. He cares for his creation. Now, Luther said of this verse that God provides food for the birds, but he doesn't drop it into their beaks. The point isn't how generous God is to lazy birds. He's saying God is a faithful provider who cares for his creation. Then in verse 28, he makes a similar point with the lilies of the field. He adorns them with beauty. He's a faithful provider who cares for his creation. Now, some of you look at creation and you just see nature. 
You just think it's natural. That's just how things are. But according to Jesus, God meticulously cares for all that he's made. He usually does so in consistent and even predictable ways that we can observe in science. But that doesn't minimize his personal interest and attention. If you're tempted to worry, look at God's creation around you and see what a faithful provider he is. Now, maybe some of you don't struggle with God's faithfulness in the abstract. You just have a hard time believing that he could care like that for you. But that's the whole point that Jesus is making. After pointing to God's faithfulness to the birds, Jesus asks in verse 26, Are you not of more value than they? And after looking at the beauty of the wildflowers and grasses, he asks in verse 30, Will he not much more clothe you? Maybe there's something in your past that makes you doubt God's care for you. Maybe you feel like the important people in your life never seem to have time for you. But God feeds sparrows and he dresses lilies. And he cares for you much more than that. Believing that is a choice, though. Trusting that God will care for your needs is an act of faith. And when we worry, we're functioning like atheists. We're acting as if God doesn't exist or else he's a lousy provider or sleep on the job. That's why Jesus says in verse 30, O you of little faith. That's why he says again in verse 32, For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. People who don't know the God of the Bible chase after stuff because they don't know God's faithfulness. They worry because they don't know the God who cares. They have no confidence in prayer, no rest in a provider, no refuge in a protector. But believers are supposed to be different. We're, we're supposed to actually believe in God and his goodness. We're supposed to trust in God and his love for us. For us, worrying is a choice. Choose to trust God with your needs. Choose to believe that he cares for you. Now, I started by saying that the choice to not worry is actually a series of many choices. First, we choose to trust God with our needs, but second, we choose to stop playing God. A lot of our worries come from taking responsibility for things that are clearly outside of our control. When we take charge of things that were never supposed to be in our hands, we buckle under the anxiety and stress of them. To stop worrying, we need to choose to stop playing God. Now, Jesus comes at this second choice with a question in verse 27. He asks, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? The fact is, we'd all like to add hours and maybe even years to our lives. We can't. But we'd like to think that we can. In fact, a lot of the time we can live under the delusion that we do control our lives. Then the pandemic hits and we realize... We're not in control. It can happen when we're laid off from work or our health hits a wall. Or we face the death of someone near to us. When anything like that happens, we can feel incredibly vulnerable. We become anxious because it feels like our lives are out of control. What has actually happened, though, is that the crisis has shattered the illusion that we've been living under. Fact is, our lives are always outside of our control. We're always vulnerable always at the mercy of God. And we don't like that. We don't like to admit that. 
We want to live as if we're in control and the crisis reminds us that we're not. We can reduce our cholesterol, get plenty of exercise and go for regular physicals, but we can be hit by a bus just as easily as someone who doesn't care for their health. God is in control of our lives. And when we live as if we deny that, we live with the anxiety of that. We'll hear the Jaws theme in our head. Jesus comes at the same theme in a different way in verse 34. That's where he says, Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. We're not in control of tomorrow. And when we live as if we are, we'll live with worry and stress. You and I exert tremendous amounts of energy trying to control the future. We make plans. We anticipate things that might derail them. We prepare. And all of those things are good. The Bible actually tells us to do those things. But they can give us the illusion that we're in control of what will happen. And we're not. As long as we keep playing God in our lives, we'll continue to live with the anxiety. That's why Luther said to his young friend, let Philip cease to rule the world. He was trying to help him. He wanted to free him from the weight of anxiety and stress by persuading him to accept that God was in control. He was in control of everything that happened in his life, and the same is true of you and I. As Tim Keller said, there are only two doctrines on which to base your life. Either you are competent to run your life, or God is. And until we accept that only God has the wisdom and the knowledge to run our lives, we'll carry worry, anxiety, and fear into all of our uncertainties. Can I tell you how I apply some of this? When I find myself in one of those crises that breaks the illusion of my control, I start to feel the anxiety. I pray because it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But I don't just pray for God to let me be in control. Because when I do that, I still walk away with my stress because I'm still playing God. Instead, I try to say things like, God, you're in charge of this, not me. This is what I want, but I accept whatever you want to do. My life is in your hands, so I'll do what you tell me. And when I pray like that, it's as if I'm consciously taking my hands off the steering wheel of my life and letting God lead. Helps me to stop playing God and start trusting God. And I feel the weight lift physically. It's not a one-time prayer because playing God is something that feels pretty natural to me. But as I come back to this prayer, I make progress in the battle. So worrying is a choice. And if you're going to stop doing it, you need to start to choose to trust God with your needs. And you need to choose to stop playing God. But there's a final choice that we need to make. We need to choose to care about what God cares about. So many of our worries come from having values and goals that are out of sync with God's purposes for us. We need to choose to care about what God cares about. Now, Jesus starts the passage in verse 25 with the words, Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. That word therefore points us back to verses 19 to 24, where Jesus has been talking about not hoarding wealth or making money your God. In the parallel passage in Luke chapter 12, Jesus has just told a parable about a man who had such an abundant crop that he decided to tear down his barns, 
and build larger ones so he wouldn't have to work anymore. It sounded like a commercial for Freedom 55. But in Luke 12, 20, it says this, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? The reality is many of our worries are about excess rather than need. And we care a lot more about our stuff than we do our souls. In verse 25, Jesus expects us to know the answer to his question about life. He, he, he says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? We're tempted to answer, yeah, it's about cell phones and video games and exotic vacations and dream homes. But that's not the answer Jesus was looking for. He wants us to see that there's more to life than more stuff. And if your goal in life is pampering yourself with as much luxury and comfort as you can afford, you'll find yourself at cross purposes with God. You'll live with stress because you're trying to run in the opposite direction of God's plan for your life. God's goal is to get us focused on the condition of our souls. He wants us to grow and mature in holiness. He wants us to be a part of his plan for this world. That's why he says in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. When we seek God's kingdom and, and his righteousness, we're aligning ourselves with God's purposes and we'll find our needs met and our anxieties lessened. But if we're honest, God's kingdom and his righteousness, they aren't usually the first priorities in our lives. We have other things that we're usually seeking. We're more interested in remodeling our kitchen than we are in feeding the poor, or giving to world missions. We're more concerned to what people think of us than what God thinks of us. We're more committed to our own advancement than we are to the advance of the kingdom of God. And so a lot of our worry comes from the stress of values not aligned with God. We're worried that we won't get our own way, even if God does. For example, if we're seeking comfort and God's seeking to mature our character, we're going to feel stress. We're going to be frustrated wondering why God doesn't answer our prayers the way we tell him to. But if we're focused on God's kingdom purposes for our lives, then we can embrace a failure, knowing that God can use it for our humility and growth. We can face a medical challenge, knowing that God can use it to point others to the hope within us. And we can face our weaknesses, knowing that God can use them to deepen our dependence on him. When you care about what God cares about, you begin to realize that ultimately there are no other cares. But caring about what God cares about means growing in our knowledge of his will. It means growing in our practice of obedience. And it means learning to make a priority of the things in God's word. Now, how does a message like this intersect with your life? Do you believe Jesus when he treats worrying like a choice? Or do you find yourself trying to just discount much of what he said because your worry is different somehow? He doesn't know what you face. Faith means taking God at his word. Do you choose to trust God with your needs? Or do you face crises and uncertainties the same way that atheists do? Are you someone who likes church and prays for God to do what you want, but still lives their life as if you're on your own? 
come to God in faith and lay down your worries before him. God's a faithful provider. He's a generous provider, and you're valuable to him. He really cares for you. But unbelief is like a wall that blocks his work in our lives. Trust God with your needs. Do you need to stop playing God? Are you living with the delusion that you're in control? Has God become a servant to your plans? Maybe you need a Luther in your life to remind you to stop trying to rule the world. Plan for tomorrow, but today is all that you have the energy to deal with. Plan for tomorrow, but don't worry about it. Plan for tomorrow, but trust God with it. Do you choose to care about what God cares about? This is where it breaks down for many people because when you begin to read scripture, you realize he doesn't care much for your sin. Doesn't care much about more. If Jesus' life is any indication, comfort isn't a big priority to him. And he's not too committed to our status or our popularity either. But he is committed to the things in life that really matter. He wants us to be truly whole, truly full. And he wants us to experience a life that's truly at rest. Choose this morning to enter that rest. And as you do, you'll meet the Savior who gives rest to our souls. Let's look to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for these words. It, it's jarring, frankly, for us to be confronted with the truth that our worry is a choice. So give us grace, Father. Give us a grace to trust you with our needs, to believe in your faithful care, and to believe that you care for us. Help us to stop living as if you don't exist and help us to stop living as our own gods. To consciously accept what you're doing in our lives and what you want to do in our lives. Father, shape our priorities, shape our values. May we learn through your word to align ourselves with your purposes and not live in conflict because we don't care about your righteousness or your kingdom. And Father, fill us with rest. Relieve the weight of anxiety. Take away our worries as we lay them at your feet and as we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I hope today's message has helped you to see how God can free our lives from worry and anxiety, and how he faithfully meets our needs and changes the way we see our lives and our world. If you think this is a message that other people need to hear, then help share the link and spread the word. As always, for more message, messages of hope, visit www.gracebc.ca. God bless, and see you next time.